From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. I pray you all had a blessed and Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. Probably not the 2021 that you had imagined, perhaps. However, we did the best that we could, right? We tried to be merry. Not easy under the circumstances. So I thought I'd turn the show over to you. And that means open lines for the entire two hours of the show. Open lines from pillar to post. And of course, I do not need to tell you, there is so much going on in the world, it is almost dizzying, the news cycle. There's the lockdown, of course. There's the aftermath of the U.S. election, which may surprise some of you, many of you, may surprise you to know it is not resolved. Technically, if you go by the letter of the Constitution, Joe Biden is not formally president-elect. I know it has become tradition to anoint the apparent winner of the election as president-elect immediately following the results, but there is a process, and um, that will happen January 6th when the Electoral College votes are certified and counted in uh, the House of Representatives, January 6th. In the meantime, there are still court challenges and vote audits, signature audits going on, even rumblings of several state legislatures, the swing states that are controlled by Republicans, Several state legislatures, perhaps the possibility, maybe a long shot, decertifying the election in places like Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, even Michigan. So we can talk about that. All of Ontario, of course, now in a lockdown until who knows. Does it feel like they're just kind of stringing us along? That maybe... From the outset, they had in mind they were going to keep us locked down indefinitely, two years, maybe. And they just keep moving the goalposts. Who knows? Who knows what's in store in 2021? Now, of course, the UK variant of COVID-19, which has now reached our shores. I believe there are now two, maybe three confirmed cases. We're told this UK variant is more contagious, but perhaps less deadly, which seems to be the pattern with coronaviruses. They mutate. They tend to become more contagious and less deadly as time goes on. So maybe that's a silver lining. I mean, that's why I, from what I've read, why we have something like, and I was surprised by this, we have something like 200 different cold viruses. 200. They're not all the same. And that's because they mutate. 
Uh, we can also talk about this great reset. I haven't had a chance really to do this with you on open lines. I've had guests come on and talk about the great reset. And the great reset has been sort of inextricably linked with COVID. And why is that? Well, there was a book written about this very subject by a German engineer, economist by the name of Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum. Maybe you've heard about about it, where all these uh, billionaires uh, get together in Davos, Switzerland. And um, I guess it's kind of a think tank. Maybe not as exclusive or secretive as the Bilderbergs uh, meeting every year. Uh, But... Klaus Schwab wrote a book which came out remarkably fast, something like four months after about half the world was in lockdown at this point in the spring, early summer of this year. And out comes this book, COVID-19 and The Great Reset, in which Chairman Schwab outlined his vision of reimagining not only capitalism, but just about everything in the world. And how COVID-19, this may sound familiar, you've heard these words echoed by our own boy king, prime minister, how COVID represents a unique and narrow window of opportunity to reimagine the world. And then the the details get rather vague after that, of course, uh, not surprisingly. So, we can talk about the Great Reset and what that might mean. Are you fearful? I'd like to know what you think it means. And that's just for starters. Those are just a few logs we will throw on the proverbial fire here. Open lines for the duration. And let me take this opportunity to uh, also mention Carlos Cagina, my uh, technical producer, and uh, Ryan White, the live stream producer. And we are live streaming on uh, my YouTube channel tonight, Strange Planet. Uh, But Carlos and Ryan, um, a belated Merry Christmas to you both and my best wishes for a a joyous, hopeful, healthy, prosperous New Year's. Carlos and uh, Ryan do so much for me and I'm so appreciative and uh, I don't uh, tell them that nearly enough. But besides, they're just two terrific gentlemen to hang out with and I'm, I'm glad to have them on the program with me. All right, let's begin with Aaron in the Show Me State, Missouri. Aaron, welcome. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank you for taking my call, sir. What part of Missouri are you from? Uh, the southwest corner. All right. And um, what, what is the situation, uh, Aaron, down in the southwest corner of Missouri in terms of uh, you know, lockdown or pandemic measures are are you restricted well, in any way we didn't have we didn't have crazy lockdowns like the you know the the coasts um but we did have you know people very concerned about it uh what i've noticed here recently even in the last couple of weeks um you know when i would go to the grocery store or the you know the local big box store I mean, uh, if you didn't have a mask on, you look like you had uh, three heads. And now there's, I think it's probably 60, 40%, you know, 60% or 60% have a mask on and the other 40% don't. And, 
it, it kind of warms my heart a little bit, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Aaron, you're saying in stores, inside now, uh, people mm-hmm. are 40%, according to your sort of anecdotal observations, 40% of people now go into stores without masks. Now, when they do that... It's definitely over a third, Richard. Okay, that's interesting. Now, when they do that, what is the response from store, the shopkeepers, the employees, and then other customers? Well, there's a lot of uh, nodding and, uh, hey, it's nice to see another human being. (laughs) But, however, you know, if you... uh, if you push your cart a little too close to somebody that's wearing a mask and you're not wearing one, there's always kind of the, uh, uh, please don't uh, give me the, you know, don't turn me into a zombie. You'll have that. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, there are 40, at least 40% of people that are kind of like just sick of this nonsense. Right. And that goes, I think, along with, the, you know, the election nonsense. And I, I, That's not why I called, and I don't want to get into that. Or it, well, we can get into it if you want, but you know what I mean. I think people are just over this nonsense. Right. They're, they're, that is what happens when there is a fatigue factor, definitely, that sets in. And there's something else that I, I, I um, in, in some ways, I'm happy to see. And that is a recognition of people that um, th- there has to be a consent on the, uh, from the people uh, to be governed. We, we, um, we hire these public officials, public servants, uh, the ones that are elected anyway that, and, and are accountable. Uh, they are supposed to act as our agents and we are supposed to be the principals. And, and if they, if this fatigue sets in and distrust sets in, and there's God knows there's a lot of that, and justifiably so, then they the the agents lose the support of the uh, the principals, uh, and they they begin to lose the consent, and um, that's how democracy is supposed to work. That's well, a good I, thing. I, I really believe that the, I think they are going to start ramp up the uh, the campaign to dis disenhearten people, right? That's what I think is going to happen. Well, uh, well fear fear that, is a uh, trem- I think that yeah. the the easy consent is over, and now they're going to start really starting to disenfranchise people, dishearten them, and almost kind of force their will upon people. Well, when that happens, then the agents cease to be agents, and they become the principals, and then yes, sir. and then we're in all we're all in trouble. Listen, I'm not saying that we, we oh, shouldn't goodness. be vigilant. I'm not I want that to happen, <laughs> right? No, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be vigilant, and I'm not saying that 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 the the pandemic is something to be you know trifled with. But there has to be a ba- there has that. to be a balance, and and what I am seeing is. The, the measures that have been taken, the way that they have been implemented, amounts, as far as I'm concerned, to a catastrophic failure. And uh, the damage that has been done, some of it may be um, permanent, economically, I agree. emotionally, totally. psychologically. Um, there has been a tremendous imbalance in the way this has been implemented. And I've said this many times, I'll say it again, Aaron, and that is that a free people one of the hallmarks of Western democracy, which is the light of the world, which is why millions of people flood to the West, is because... The last 
flickering life in the darkness. That's it. Yes, yes. It's it's so horrible, except that everybody wants to come to the West, to <laughs> Canada is. and the United States. Uh, but a free people are best suited to manage their own risk. We have to be allowed to manage our own risk. And that message has to get to, to our agents. They work for us. And once they start thinking, and a lot of them are, this arrogance and this smugness, that, that they are unaccountable and that, that they are the principals and we are the agents, we must send a clear message. I don't know exactly how that is to be done, except perhaps by 40% of people in Missouri refusing to wear a mask. I agree. You know, uh, I think I think this is not the time to lose hope. I think this is the time to embrace hope. I agree with you. What are the numbers like, Aaron, in terms of uh, we keep hearing about cases? I'm, I'm not interested in cases. I'm interested in infections and hospitalizations and deaths. Those are the numbers that we need to look at, not cases. Well, I can give you an a- anecdotal uh, example. Uh, almost all of my family and my friends work in the healthcare industry, um, right down the road from where I live, there's nobody there. Nobody in the hospitals? Well, I mean, there's people in the hospital, but they're not for that. And the people that are are in the hospitals aren't, um, well, I'll I'll tell you, the the senior nurse that works over a very close relative of mine, uh, I'll I'll just say it, my, uh, my young cousin, they are absolutely positive they would be much quicker to uh, recover from this at home uh you know i don't know if you've ever been in the hospital before i have a couple times you don't get better in the hospital <laughs> you want out of there you can't stand it you're crawling the walls people are poking you every five seconds you would be way better at home and that's what they're telling me uh, and but however there is a financial uh, benefits to have people in the hospital, and that comes right from the dole from the federal government. Right, thirteen thousand dollars. I know that's a fact. Yes, I, I agree. Thirteen thousand dollars instead of four thousand from Medicare to a co- to a hospital if there's a COVID diagnosis. So they have incentivized diagnosing people with with COVID. Thirteen thousand yes, instead sir. of four thousand, and if they end up on a uh, on a ventilator, it's thirty two thousand, I believe. But that's per week, sir. So the longer you stay in there, that uh, that extrapolates. Right, right. Yeah, and, that, and to me, by incentivizing it, you're making it uh, rife for for corruption and, oh, and yeah, for you, padding you, the numbers. The it's results. just human nature. It's, it's human that. nature. Absolutely. Aaron, thank you so much for the call, and thanks thank for you, checking in from Missouri. All right, Happy New Year. You too. Uh, let's say hi to Martin. Oh, uh, yeah, we have we have time for Martin. Let's uh, work Martin in here from Toronto. Martin? Yeah, good evening, Richard. Hi there. Uh, I, I, ha- I would like to speak about the shutdown again, and I would like to uh, throw a few numbers, just generally, and ballpark numbers. Uh, uh, the small business uh, in Canada represents about two, uh, no, actually 55% of two-thirds of all the business. So one-third is public sector, two-thirds are private sector, which is feeding this uh, this uh, this uh, public sector with uh, with their taxes with their sweat right yes. okay so of those two thirds of the private business about fifty five percent of all uh, Canadian economy is actually fueled by small business so small business is a backbone of Canadian economy no questions asked everybody knows that hundred percent 
Now, how can anybody take upon their shoulder to shut down, to break, to break this backbone of Canadian economy? You know what? When I first, I was voting, by the way, for uh, Doug Ford, okay, and conservatives. Now, listen to me. When Doug Ford, with his own words, said that it would be a logistical nightmare to cordon all certain sections of Walmart, or, or he lost me. Because we are not stupid. We are purchasing in those stores. We have been there. We saw when they are reorganizing certain sections of their store, they just go on it over the yellow tape. Nobody bothers to go there. So when he, as a premier of 40.5 million people, is trying to tell the people to be a logistical nightmare to call on certain sections, he lost me. And you know what? If I had a power... I would just kick his behind out of that seat out there and replace him with somebody who would be more sensitive. Now, secondly, why is Canadian Federation of Independent Business begging these officials, please don't shut us down. They should be threatening and dictating to these officials what's going to happen. Not to beg them, please don't kick us hard into our behind. No, they should say, no, sir, you are not going to do this to us. And we are going to be standing up, and this will be just civil disobedience or more small revolution, okay? And we are not going to close our doors. We are going to be safe. You can come. You can check us up. If we are breaking any rules, we are going to be fined. That's okay. But we are going to do it safe way. And we see the numbers going up. And nobody tried to reverse it. Okay, let's shut down those big box stores, okay, and let's open all the small business, and let's see if the numbers will change. On the top, I would like to mention one point. People are keeping dying in government-run long-term care houses while we have all these shutdowns. Now, like, how can I trust these kind of uh, administrators which are trying to play our rulers and dictators, according to my accent, you can probably tell where I came from. And I was actually fleeing from communism at that time. And I can see it's a big time communist rule or dictatorship rule moving into, into these shores of North America. And I'm warning people, people, wake up. You can see it firsthand now, what can it cause? They simply, their words can shut down their lives. Their words over the speakers, over the media, can actually make you to, to, to lose your livelihood, to lose your roof over your head. No way! Martin? I'm really calling for disobedience, and I'm calling for small revolution, because this is beyond... Well, we have to be beyond. careful. We're not, we don't want violence... We want, yes, uh, civil disobedience is, is one thing, and that is an, an honorable, there is an honorable tradition to civil disobedience. And when laws and regulations are immoral, then it must be met with civil disobedience. But I'm a little, uh, I think we have to be careful about throwing words around like revolution. Um, you don't want to go down that road because that's rather than, um, you know, Blow a whistle and say, "Everybody, get out of the out of the pool." That's civil disobedience. Revolution is burn the house down. You don't want to go there. All right, we don't want to. We don't. We we don't want to do that. But Martin, I hear your frustration. I agree with with most of what you've said, and um, it gets back to what I was saying earlier: the principles versus the agents. We're the bosses. We're the uh, principles. 
They're the agents. They're there at our favor and pleasure. They serve at our pleasure, not the other way around. And they need to get that message. All right, back with uh, more of your calls. Open lines, pillar to post right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Open lines for the entire duration. And I suspect that we'll be talking about this for some time to come. Let me ask you this as well. As the uh, the lines continue to fill up, do you trust the numbers? They are delivered to us every day by the mainstream media. And we hear about cases, 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 cases. And cases are recited like this mantra as if, and I understand, uh, you know, the fear that is generated and how fear is a tremendous tool to control. But cases are not infections. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not an immunologist. I'm not a virologist. I know that. But you don't need to be to understand that cases are not infections. A positive case is not necessarily an infection. We're all familiar with the, the, um, the, the false positives that are occurring. And, and many, many doctors and public health officials have talked about the false positives and why that occurs and why the PCR test was not designed necessarily to be used the way that it's being used. So you have false positives. Is it 40%? Is it 50%? Is it 90%? I don't know. But cases are not infections. And yet that's all we hear about. And then we hear, for example, and this is just a small part of it, but it's, it's significant, I believe, we're told that things like suicides are being included in the death tally. And we have to be careful, obviously, when we're throwing around numbers every day is all we hear is numbers. There are human beings attached to these numbers. But what is the thinking when you're including people who take their own lives as a death from COVID. What other things are being rolled into the COVID column? I'm not the first person, obviously, that's pointed this out, but the, we're in the midst of flu season. Where are the flus? And all the other upper respiratory ailments, particularly the flus. You've seen the headlines, people saying, where are the heart attacks? Are these numbers being rolled into the COVID column. A member of the the COVID task force, the White House task force, I mean, I believe her name is Dr. Bricks, or Burks, told us back in April that they are going to tally in a very liberal manner the COVID deaths. And she said that we will count people who die with COVID as a COVID death. If you die with it, that will be included in the tally. So what is the actual number of people who have died from COVID and nothing else? Do we know? No, we don't. No, we don't. Can we trust 
these numbers? Can we trust this data? I'm asking a question. That's allowed. Why aren't the mainstream media pushing back? And why do we only hear from this pre-approved list of experts and anyone who does not fall in line with a particular narrative are kicked off social media, they're not allowed on the air, you never hear from them again. Don't you find that odd? Don't you find that disturbing? You should. Uh, let's say hi to, uh, we have Chad in California. Chad, welcome. Hello. Hi there. Hi, Richard. How are you, man? I'm well. Happy New Year. Yo, happy, happy New Year to you. Happy Christmas as well and everybody else. It's so, uh, it's so good to talk to you. I've been listening to you for a long time and uh, this is a, I just so happen to be, um, catch you right now doing, uh, doing this live show. So I'm, re- I'm really excited to be able to talk to you. Glad to have you aboard. I, um, I just wanted to talk about, um, so uh, to pay you back off what you were saying about people, um, about doesn't think, don't think things strange to people. It's like, I don't understand sometimes how we're living in these different, different places, but we're at the, we're on the same place. It's like, if any, if this was going on any other time, like where people were getting kicked off social media, I've been kicked off Twitter, uh, three different times, uh, three different accounts that I've had. And to the point it's like, you know, I have, I have my, I have a main account, but then I tweeted another, I had another one where, you know, I would tweet from. And all three of them got, have gotten kicked off uh, social media for, you know, for spreading disinformation or they say, you know, for spreading hate speech when it's clearly like I'll, I'll be teamed up on by like 10 different people. And, um, you know, and they'll say that I'm spreading hate speech. Even um, Patricia Arquette even uh, was one of those people one time. Uh, yeah, so. But um, it's crazy that everybody can see the same thing going on. And then it's like nobody is. Everybody ignores it because it's uh, it's on a different side. I just, I really don't get it. You know, it's just crazy to me. It is surreal what we're living through. It almost seems, it, 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 I guess it's created kind of a cognitive dissonance. And we're, there's something in, in human nature called normalcy bias. And I think that's part of what's happening right now, that we see the, the censorship. Uh, we see the mainstream media carrying water for one particular side uh, where it has almost become, in many ways, it, it, it has become like the Soviet Union or Venezuela where you have a, an, an official state-run media. We are seeing that now. They are all reading from the same script. It's like they all get their talking points at 4 a.m. They're all using the same language. And they are all marching in lockstep, using the same language, um, pushing the same narrative, and no dissent is allowed. This is this is unheard of, you know, in a, in in a, in a Western democracy. And people should be not only should they be up in arms. Um, I mean, I I I I am sickened by what is happening in the mainstream media. The, uh, the the censorship and and the pushing of a particular narrative and only referring to a pre-approved list of experts and and and, and a, an entire abdication of their responsibility in the fourth estate to challenge and to question and not 
not an, a modicum of intellectual curiosity do I see or hear or read in the mainstream media. And uh, again, it's, it's, it's disheartening and um, I don't know once we get to the other side of this. This, is, this raises another good question. And Chad, thank you very much for the call. Uh, have you given up on the mainstream media? And if, if you have, where now are you going for your news? So, for example, have you, maybe you, you used to watch Fox until election night. And then after they called Arizona very early, maybe, you, that was enough. That was the straw. And so now you're watching Newsmax or here in Canada. Have you given up on the mainstream media? Have you, have you, do you now get your news from True North or Rebel News or on social media, people like Spencer Fernando? We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back. We'll get to uh, Robert in Buffalo. And we have uh, Lynn in St. Catherine. Steve also in Buffalo. Much to discuss. There is the lockdown. There is the aftermath of the U.S. election. There is the Great Reset. There is the state of the mainstream media, the state of Western democracy. Back with more in a moment. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Uh, Let me say hi to Robert in Buffalo. Hey, Robert, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hey, Richard Serrett, thank you very much. Uh, I I have three, maybe four points that I want to get out, but first I do want to say thank you for... uh, what I, I see is your intelligence, the way you uh, have a sensibility to what's up uh, on the nights that you come on. I really do appreciate it. And, you, and thank you for giving us this airtime here. And, and what we're saying is what we're saying. It's not Richard saying it or the people there at the, uh, at the station. But thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Um, since November 3rd, I have been, my sister called it being in a funk. And I think I she knows what she, uh, what she means. She thinks like I do. My brother, similarly. Um, a lot of us have been discouraged by things that have happened down here in America. I'm speaking as a person in, in Buffalo. And uh, I, yes, as, as far as the media goes, I have shut off uh, NBC, which I used to watch the nightly news, you know, kind of like a robot every night. And I, I shut them off since November 3rd. And uh, I hope they go bankrupt. You know, that's how I feel about it. But a, a, a couple points. Um, a lot of us are very discouraged by it, and I've been riding a roller coaster since November 3rd. I'd see things that would be uh, encouraging to the uh, position of Trump to be uh, confirmed in the presidency, and then I'd be dropped down the next morning. And it's been a tense time, Richard, and uh, I want to say these three things. I say that President Trump, by, uh, by reason of his uh, election in 2016, and his subsequent inauguration and oath of office, I think he is bound by an oath not to allow communism into our country. Um, I believe he is already bound and authorized to uh, make sure that uh, uh, pre- to preserve and protect the the, uh, the Constitution of the United States, preserve, protect, and defend it from all enemies 
domestic and foreign. And we're seeing an assault of not only domestic enemies in our country down here south of your border, but we're seeing a coalition, I believe, of uh, communist nations from Europe and uh, maybe the man up there and the uh, prime minister up in Canada, you know, where they, they want to, I think, d- uh, destroy America and use the wealth to build their alliance of nations. And I think that's the, the unspoken uh, purpose of all this. So I believe that Trump uh, is already uh, authorized and bound uh, not to allow communism. I say communism is not on the table for America. Number two, I've been looking to, and I, I intend to hopefully go down to uh, Washington, whether it's January 6th. Um, maybe I'd like to go to Georgia, but I don't know if I'd be able to get there. And uh, just show some body support for President Trump. I think he's a great man who loves the country, and he needs us now. And he's willing to fight. And how rare this is that we got someone that will stand up to the media, turns him back, shakes him up, and we need him. We could have communist troops in our country within four years. We can't. We cannot wait. I believe Richard to correct this colossal fraud that happened on the night of November third into, into November fourth. We can't wait. It has to be corrected now. And I hope the. Um, the electors or the people that are possible electors will do what is, is, is laid out in the Constitution. They can vote as they judge uh, fair and equitable for what they saw and um, give a vote for Trump. And I hope that's going to happen. And one final point, uh, Richard, is uh, these, these circumstances and the, uh, the state we're in right now in America is the reason why... We have down here south of the border the Second Amendment, and this is this is our position. You know, th- I think these reasons and these circumstances are uh, are why we have a Second Amendment. And I hope people start erecting their their uh, their spines and and, and 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 collect their hearts and, and go for it here and uh, correct this this this. Uh, we can't live a lie and say that. Uh, Biden has won. You know, it, it, I don't think we could take it down here. And so I let me ask you, Robert. Let's come together and do it. And thank you for letting me say those things. My pleasure, Robert. Let me I ask love, you though. Uh, I love your uh, the way you run the show. I, I appreciate it. But Robert, before you go, let me ask you a couple of questions. If let's say, and and you're you're you were referring to the state legislatures because they have the the um, I believe they call it the plenary power. They have the ability to to seat their own electors. This is an indirect democracy in the United States. It's not direct democracy. So the, ultimately, the state legislators in the, the swing states where the fraud allegedly took place and, – and let me say on the record, I, I, I have sat through probably close to three and a half hours of uh, testimony. I've, I've uh, you know, read a lot. Uh, there are something like 50,000 now affidavits that have been – these are sworn testimonies. 50,000. Um, I believe there was fraud, massive fraud. Systemic, orchestrated fraud, uh, and I, it, 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 I'm not saying that it's necessarily unique to this election. Maybe you know we could go back and revisit other elections. However, it did take place in this election, I believe, based on the evidence that I have seen. So, if the the swing states of Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, pick three of those, would would be enough if those electors were uh, or the elections they were decertified by the state legislators they'd have to be reversed overturned because they've already been certified and 
let's say it meant that both Biden and Trump ended up with 269 delegates. It gets flipped to the House and then they must vote according to state delegations, which means the Republicans would win, Trump would win. If it doesn't happen that way, if those swing states do not overturn the result and Joe Biden is set to be sworn in, what do you want Trump to do? Do you want him to step down? Do you want a peaceful transmission of tra- transfer of power? What do you expect or want him to do? Well, I think he's already shown so much patience over the last four years and in the course of this uh, since since election night. Um, so I would hope they would come to an agreement for yes, I would have uh, a revote in those questionable states. Um, but this time overseen with uh, soldiers or marshals to make sure, you know, we're not going to have any of it. We, we can't let this ruin our, our credibility for the elections in the United States. You know, it's just too much. It's, it's, it, it, it's just un, unthinkable. Um, so I, I would, I would have that they could do it again. Um, unless they just, you know, but I think they have the authority, like they say, the plenary power, they can actually say it. It's, I've, I got the copy of the constitution out since listening to men like Mark Levin and stuff. And uh, so I've read, uh, as he says, article two, um, uh, section one, I think, uh, the, the second paragraph would addresses, uh, about the electors in the various states. Yes. They can vote for Trump if they judge it that way. And so I hope, you know, as Americans and everything else, they will just either, either do that or if they want to have another vote, we don't have to get this done by January 20th or not. There was a time in 1875, as far as I know, people said when Rutherford Hayes was elected from, uh, I think it was Ohio, and he was running against a governor from New York. It went on into April, I believe. Um, it's been happening before. There are other electors that have voted. Uh, maybe it was Thomas Jefferson, I heard. So, he became president, um, you yes, know, because of... We can get this right, yes. and I think we have to. What, what do I want... Uh, uh, Trump to do if if everything is exhausted and they don't they don't like I'm very disappointed with the Supreme Court um, and and if they don't do what's seemingly just here then I hope all options are open to Trump and I back him and I would uh, get my musket you know and join his auxiliary army and uh, help all those men in our beloved military that keep and take their oath seriously, and we would be an auxiliary force. And uh, I would do it. All right, Robert. this is so important. Thank you so much for the call. Happy New Year. Uh, well, there you go. The spirit of 1776. How, how widespread is that? How many of these 76-plus million that voted for Trump uh, are, are feel like-minded with Robert, are simpatico with Robert? Uh, more of your calls in a moment. The uh, Conspiracy Show returns right after this. Welcome back. I want to play this clip before the uh, the top of the hour. This was on uh, YouTube for a while. I don't know if it was taken down or not, but it is uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr., of course, the son of the late senator, Robert F. Kennedy. Uh, Bobby's a lawyer and an environmentalist and an activist and uh, an anti-vaxxer, and I don't always see eye to eye with with what Bobby Kennedy Jr. has to say. Uh, he's now 66 years old. He seems to be quite frail in, in ailing health. I believe he had he suffered f- from hepatitis. You'll notice his voice kind of breaks up, and it's uh, it's a very weak uh, voice. But it's, this is a very impassioned statement 
uh, it runs just over two minutes, but uh, I, I want to get your reaction to this probably going on into the next hour as we continue along with open lines. And this is Bobby Kennedy Jr. I'm not sure if this was uh, an interview that he did with a um, well-known actor whose name escapes me <laughs> uh, that has a, a, a YouTube show. But uh, let's have a listen to Bobby Kennedy speaking about the, uh, the, the, the lockdown and uh, vaccinations and so forth. We are at an inflection point, I believe, in human history. The largest and most critical inflection point that human, humanity has ever encountered. For many years, totalitarian and authoritarian states have used the power of fear to engineer compliance in populations. I grew up understanding what happened in World War II in our country and during the Nuremberg trials. Hermann Goering was asked by the prosecutor, how did you make the German people comply? And Goering said, it's not just Germany. This works in any country, whether it's a fascist country or a communist country or a monarchy or a democracy. All the rulers need to do is to tell people that there's something they need to be fearful of, to point a finger at that source of their fear, and you can make human beings do anything you want. You can make them go to the slaughter like sheep. You can make them obey. Well, the biosecurity agenda that people like Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci and Davos and all of these people who are running now the global economy, they have understood for years that they have a power that no totalitarian government has ever had available to it. And now they have a source of fear that is the most pervasive and all-encompassing power that they've ever had, which is the fear of pandemics. Governments love pandemics the same way that they love wars, because it gives them power, it gives them, the, it gives them control, and it gives them the capacity to, to impose obedience on human beings. And today we have an inflection of new technologies that give governments the capacity to impose controls on populations that have never been imagined before in human history by any tyrant in history. Bobby Kennedy Jr. Governments love pandemics, he said. Governments love pandemics. What do you think of that? Do you think there's some truth to that? I think there is a kernel of truth there. I'm not saying all government officials welcomed the pandemic. I think a vital takeaway from all this, once we get on the other side, and whatever, I'm not going to use the word or the term new normal. I detest that. I want the old normal. Thank you very much. I liked the old normal. And I intend to live the old normal as much as possible. But one of the takeaways must be that we can never cede this kind of power and authority to our agents, our public servants, the people who work for us ever again. I hope that we have finally learned the lesson 
that a naive trust in authority is dangerous. There must be a reckoning after this. For this calamitous failure, Robert Kennedy mentioned, Bobby Kennedy Jr. mentioned, governments love pandemics and governments love wars. Some politicians no doubt do. You know the old saying, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And some people are attracted to so-called public service because they love power. This is no longer about left and right, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. This is about big and small. Big corporations, big tech versus small businesses. You and me. Big versus small. Let's say hi to uh, Lynn in St. Catharines. Lynn, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hello there. It's nice to talk to you when you're not on at 1 (laughs) a.m. Because I know I could never get through to you that way. Oh, on the other show. You're talking about the other show. you just won't mention it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind. I take it you're in your little office down under the stairs. You know what? I'm actually in a Zoomerplex tonight. I wanted to come in and see my technical producer, Carlo, and spread a little Christmas cheer. And uh, and um, so I'm I'm in uh, the radio station. Well, that's scary. <laughs> Not at all. But uh, no, this COVID thing. Yes, there is a grain of truth, a grain of sand of truth. I think in what your clip said. But then you get everybody that's going to just magnify it by a billion, which means we're still going to be stuck out in space somewhere. How do you mean? Well, magnify it. Yeah, I think that, uh, no, okay, we'll go with Trudeau. I think Premier Jesse Trudrip there, he dragged his feet, sat on his butt, and he waited a little too long before he got the mojo going. You can tell I'm not a liberal. (laughs) He finally got it going. Okay, but he waited a while. And now with this lockdown, Doug Ford dragged his butt, too. He should have had it done before Christmas. I'm looking right here in my own St. Catherine Standard. And when you see the, the, a headline that says, Delay of Provincial Lockdown Concerns Dr. Hergy, he is our acting head of the health here. Every day, at least three times a day, he comes on to talk to our different guys on our, my local station here. So I'm kept up to date. I don't have cable or Internet or none of that stuff. My newspaper and my radio, that's what I got. And... As far as the numbers go, I've never believed them after May the 1st. Okay, so when you say they should have got going, what do you mean? They should have locked down? Yeah, they should. This waiting till Boxing Day was no good. Our numbers down here are horrendous. What do you mean that your numbers are horrendous? You mean your cases? Yeah, they're what horrendous. Is that? Okay, what does that mean? To me, it scares the crap out of me. Because exactly. I don't go outside. I go nowhere. Yes, but what do you mean the numbers? Are we talking about cases? All of it. Well, you, yes, but you see, herein okay, lies the problem. Cases. Don't they, mind me. I have to take the eyes off. They're not my readers. <laughs> okay. But cases. Cases, Lynn. What does that mean? It means people that have tested positive on a test. Okay. How many of those? And, and this is, again, the failing of the media. They don't, they don't push back. They don't ask questions. They don't demonstrate an ounce of intellectual curiosity. How many of those cases are infections? They're not all infections. 
What about how many of them are false positives? How many of them are asymptomatic? How many of them have resulted in hospitalizations? That's what we need to know. Cases tell us nothing. Don't we, I mean, this is, the, this is what they're, they're counting on, I believe, some of them, many of them perhaps. They want us to be afraid of the cases. But how many of those cases are false positives? Are, they, are there 50% false? Are there 10%? Are there 90%? We don't know because they won't tell us. Cases mean nothing unless we have context. Thank you for the call. Uh, let's say hi to uh, Paul is in Jersey City. Paul, welcome. Oh, hang on. We, Paul, I'm going to get you to hold on. We, uh, we're running up against a break here. Let's, uh, let's wreck an order on the other side. The Conspiracy Show continues into Hour 2. Open lines. Stay with us. Stay with us.